We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either your first or your last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Three seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Far. Lays it up for Freeman and it's incomplete. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra, a proud partner of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire family. I am your host, Numak, and joining me, as always, is my joyous host, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I am joyous. It's the it's the giving season. That's right. It's Christmas season. Um, and the Packers gave me a week off to just chill. Relax. A little R and R, a little rest and relaxation. A little rest and Rogers, you know. <laughs> he was certainly the center of uh attention early on this week. But before we get into all sort of that stuff, obviously the Packers have a bye week, so we're doing a mailbag later. So stay tuned for that. But before we get into all that, let's talk cheese board. Because obviously the Packers are coming off their twenty eight to nineteen win over the Chicago Bears this week or this past Sunday. So we have some nice slices of Munster to hand out. The first of which going to Christian Watson. Two touchdowns for the rookie. Uh, just about 100 yards all-purpose. Can do some quick math. 94 yards all-purpose. That one rush coming on the 46-yard touchdown. And then three catches on seven targets for 48 yards. And the touchdown on fourth down. So just keeps on scoring touchdowns. Touchdown scoring machine. Doing well. Hopefully keeps it up and secures himself a Rookie of the Year trophy. Next, earning a slice of Munster as well, is A.J. Dillon. By far his best uh, game of his year so far. 18 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown um, on the ground. And then 26 yards on three catches um, receiving for A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones was a little bit hobbled this week, which led to his increased uh, carry load. So nice to see him rise up to the task when called upon to do so. Um, next is Devondre Campbell, his first game back uh, from his injury he sustained. I believe it was against the Lions or the Bills. I forget Bills. which. Yeah, the Bills. Bills game, yeah. Uh, ten tackles, six of those solo, but earning the cheese mostly because the the run game wasn't stopped entirely because of obviously the, the big rush by Justin Fields and just the amount of yards that came up, but he was definitely a difference maker on a lot of the run, um, a lot of the running plays the Bears ran, where 
he was stopping him short and things like that. He was definitely a noticeable difference maker in that that facet of the defense. Absolutely. So, and then the last one, we're giving one to every member of the offensive line this week. Elton Jenkins, Zach Tom, Yash Niman, Josh Myers, and John Runyon Jr. Uh, no sacks allowed this week from the from the line. Only two pressures, one by Josh Myers, one by Zach Tom. Uh, Zach Tom obviously slotting in for David Bakhtiari after his surprise appendectomy. So uh, just a great job this week as a cohesive line to keep Rodgers upright and allow him to have a fine day. A one touchdown, 182 yards with a uh, 18 for 31. So not terribly great, not terribly bad, but kept them upright. And then obviously AJ Dillon had a lot of yards on the ground today to go with Christian Watson's uh, 46 yard touchdown. So just a all around nice day for the offensive line and what I don't think we've seen all year from them to where we could like say, hey, for the most part, pretty darn good game from all of you. So it was nice to see them finally come uh, up to the task and produce a good week. Yeah, for sure. And as you said, like under the it's been makeshift for the most of the year, not the last three weeks, but with Bakhtiari being out, having Zach Tom step in what two days before the game in yep. Chicago. Yep. I mean, that's as good as you can ask for, even against a Bears team that isn't all that fearsome defense. Right. Right. Absolutely. So the cheese board after 13 games, uh, leader in the clubhouse uh, still is Aaron Jones with nine. Uh, Christian Watson, Hot on his tail with five. AJ Dillon, Devondre Campbell, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary each have four. EJ, Jair, John Runyon, Romeo Dobbs, and Rudy Ford all have three. Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, Sean Nixon, Pat O'Donnell, Randall Cobb, Russell Douglas, Quay Walker, and Zach Tom have two. Then Alan Lazard, Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, Jerron Reed, Josh Myers, Chris Barnes, Mason Crosby, Bobby Tunyon, Sammy Watkins, and Yash Nimmin have one. And then rounding up the list at the very bottom is Joe Barry with negative one. <laughs> gotta make sure <laughs> I we forgot about that. Gotta make sure we slide those in every week. So that is your cheese board. As always, you can find the recap of the previous week's game and a preview for the next week's game on the Substack. Um, I tweeted it out from the Taco Tundra account um, every Thursday when these come out. Usually, uh, you can go subscribe there and find all other things GSPN related there on the uh, GSPN Substack. So, without further ado, should we talk Goody and Matt LaFleur's comments on uh, the future of the Packers and particularly Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I know it's your favorite topic. Let's do it. <laughs> um, I can't remember the last time we heard from Goody this season. I think it might have been preseason or even before that. Um. Had it been. Something I don't like think that. we even. I don't think you even really mentioned him making comments right since then. Right, but he had a press conference on. I think it was Monday of the bye week. Yeah, Monday, and had a. I thought for like, for the most part, good. Goody gives a good interview. And he's quite honest. Like he's definitely a guy who's been media trained before. <laughs> um. But the main topic that all the reporters talked about is the story of the Packers offseason, and it is Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, or both. And uh, they talked, like, I think the first question out of the reporter's mouth, which I'll let you sort of take off with Jordan once we get into it, is um, did Goody think that they saw enough of Jordan Love to make a decision on the the fifth-year option? And Goody said, without a doubt, that they were. They were really pleased with his progression, and uh, they had seen enough to pretty much solidify solidify their decision on what they want to do with them. All reading between the lines, context being that they are going to pick up that fifth year option. So, I guess I know you're happy about that, Jordan. Do you have anything to add about being so certain that they'll pick it up despite only having seen about a quarter or a game and three quarters of him? I guess it's I guess my my thoughts would be it's a very obviously as we see it's a very hard line to to walk down 
because you're trying to appease both parties mm-hmm. because they want to keep their interest in both Rogers and love and talking up love while well, without discounting Rogers and vice versa and all this stuff. Because ultimately, as we talked about, I think at the end of the pod after the bears game, yep. Um, it's, it's, Two sides are dancing right now, and it's right. a matter of one person or one party to initiate a breakup or initiate a retirement or initiate a trade, right. whatever the case may be. Um, so, yeah, I I think it's encouraging to hear. And yeah, the other thing, too, it is it's incredibly hard to find a quarterback. We don't know this at all because we have been incredibly lucky to see two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I'm not seamlessly, but pretty darn close to seamlessly transitioning from one another. I think it was very similar in that, what was it, 2007, he left, I believe, because 2008 was Rodgers' first year. That first year with Rodgers was kind of like iffy. And then six and ten. Yeah. So then, and then eleven and five. <laughs> and then it went right off. Like we had one year of like hesitancy. So you're yeah. right that we've been blessed to have good quarterback play for almost two decades. And they've had these gap years. Like this is a gap year, hopefully. Um, and whenever they've been down, they haven't been down very long. Right. So that is also the context of where we're at of this over long. <laughs> extended more so extended period of successful Packers football. Right. So if you're going by that guideline and it's going to seamlessly go into the comments that I believe Lafleur made. Yep. If you're count, if you're, what is, how do you say it? The, um, uh, if we're going to go with the, the Corvette that gives us the best winning chance, we're going to play them. Yeah. That was, that was good. His comments. We'll talk about that later in the mail, but oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I will layer that in the mailbag because one of our listeners had a question or surrounding that in general. Um, so we'll get that that whole argument later as it talks about winning. But um, Goody also had talked about same thing with uh, Matt Lafleur that they want Rogers back because that was the big quote coming out of Rogers' mouth on Sunday after the game was the mutual interest of having him back. Talking about Christian Watson <laughs> as George salutes. Um, was having Christian Watson's breakout season playing a role in the decision of Rodgers to come back next year. And sort of snuck into the end of that answer from Rodgers was there has to, be, has to be mutual interest. So understandably, they both got Matt LaFleur and Woody got asked about wanting Rodgers back. And they both said pretty much, yeah, like we'll talk about it in the offseason, but we've, for all intents and purposes, the Packers invested a lot in him. They made a big decision to do so this past offseason, and they want him back because of that. And But Goody said they'll talk about it in the offseason. So it's definitely a, like he'll most likely be back if nothing changes. But like you said, it's ultimately a, a dance between Love, Rogers, and the organization trying to navigate these waters despite having just signed that extension. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting that um, Matt LaFleur had said uh, with all the changes that have like happened throughout the organization the last year, like within the last, since the end of last year, essentially, like how do you assess Rodgers' year? And I thought it was very interesting that like he had talked about that they all expect Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers like all the time, but that you have to take it with a grain of salt when he has a bad year because it's a lot of change that came in. Like he went, I never really thought about it and having like in the way he put it, but he literally had like an entirely new wide receiving group. There was like just nobody that really came back that he had solid repertoire besides Alan Lazard and Cobb. And even then Lazard was wide receiver three at times on last year's team between uh, Devonta Adams and MVS. So, yeah, plotting Lazard into that wide receiver one role took some time, obviously, and he was not cut out for it as we talked about. But then you get into the conversation about 
should have Rogers been at OTAs with the rookies and all of this stuff. Well, it's make. also offensive coordinator Luke Getzey's not there. They bring in Tom Clements, who's his old um, right. quarterbacks coach during the McCarthy years and stuff like that. Right. But like to your point, the OTAs and just like all of the time that you missed. And yeah, does that really right? Does that prevent the season from being a different? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I mean, not, right? Maybe it helps the offense get started a little quicker. I definitely think that would be the case. Yeah, but I don't think it helps the defense, which is like where a lot of the issue, I think, is this season, besides that stretch of games where the offense just wasn't working. Yeah, it it's very easy to Monday morning quarterback every little thing. Yeah. But ultimately, what it comes down to is there's a lot of change. The Packers were slow to kind of, I don't want to say adapt, or just like I don't know what you how you'd say it, but like just kick on the right way that you'd expect expect from them going into a contending season. That was all the talk. Right. And we quickly find found out that the standard that they set for themselves was way too high. Right. <laughs> Especially for this season with all the changes they made. It's just yes. just tough as to how to do it. So yeah. Um LaFleur said that collectively everyone had to be better, including him. Like there's no shortage of players that just need to be players that need to be better on both sides of the ball. So at least they're honest and recognizing that. But he did talk about the offense showing improvement, which is not to be an optimist Andy, but I think that is a highlight of this part of the season. Is that despite not making the playoffs and despite not winning games that we should win like the Eagles games or the Lions game, et cetera, et cetera. Since that Lions game, the offense has looked like for better, for worse on average, like Rogers has it's a play. defense, right? It's the defense that's losing games. Yeah, but absolutely. I think it's encouraging to see most parts of the offense clicking. We're still very frustrated that they throw the ball 40 yards down the field on third and three or fourth and three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's really been some balance that is slowly but surely being restored. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's the the missed opportunities that we were talking about earlier in the season, even in their wins. I mean, it wasn't like they're blowing teams out of the water that when they were on what three one. Yeah. Um. After the Bucks game, yeah. Yeah, they're they're winning these games by super thin margins and all this stuff. Like last week was the most comfortable win that they've had since the first bird game yeah but that's all i could really say at this point yeah even then like that win wasn't wasn't comfortable until the middle of the fourth quarter almost the end of it yeah it was the second interception. Were, yeah, right they were almost losing <laughs> yeah. like in the fourth quarter so yeah i mean just seeing the offense kind of finally capitalize more frequently obviously it helps that christian watson has turned into 1998 randy moss in the last four weeks love to see that yeah, and that's not an exaggeration. He is on yes. par with rookie year Randy Moss, which is crazy. Buy your Christian Watson jerseys now, folks. They're going to get um, expensive. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very pleased with that the offense has finally kicked on um, and that they've had this ascendance from Christian Watson and hopefully more to come. Right, absolutely. Um. Continuing a little bit from their comments uh, on defense, they talked about they tried to get Goody to talk about why the defense just hasn't been good. And he the gotcha questions. Yeah, he he said <laughs> twice that it's never one thing; it's a culmination of things, which obviously is true. But one of the yeah. one of the comments that sort of stood out to me was I don't I couldn't figure out who asked it, but someone had asked like. Where is the disconnect? Um, I, don't know, I think, no, I'm sorry, my backup. Somebody had asked what happened to the defense, just plain and simple. Like, that was the question. And Goody said they had to find where the disconnect was and followed it up with, quote, never one thing. We have a lot of talented guys on defense, but we have to come together as a team, and that takes sacrifice. Not a lot of team, a, a lot that goes into being a good team. And if you can kind of like read between the lines there, like it seems like they have. Yeah, there's gonna be some sacrifice already. 
Right. Go Barry, get on the rock. <laughs> I agree. But I also think that there's more to be talked about there when it comes to the yeah. team working as a unit, like the defense working as a unit, because I don't think they are, and I think that was what was the most frustrating that he said, like that Goody said. Well, first, Goody said the most frustrating thing was the consistency issues, which I think stems from not working as a unit. And yes. take that how you may, we've kind of ragged on Jair for not looking focused at times, and a lot of the defense not looking all the way focused at all the time. So... Maybe I that's unit also goes down to. I mean, it's not just Joe Barry that's responsible for, yeah, it's all the defense. position coaches, yeah. It's it's a whole, it's a whole, it's a whole bunch of units, yeah, within, within the organization. So, here's to hoping that they make a change. Do but... we know who's like the defensive captain? Is it Devondre? It was Devondre before he got hurt. I think Quay was wearing the dot. I don't think he was captain though, but I'm pretty sure it is uh, Devondre as like the defense. I think captain. I think that's also another. I mean, we talked about Jair specifically, but like when you lose guys like Zadarius Smith, who's a very commanding presence, mm-hmm. and it was pretty telling when you could tell that they're phasing him out. And even all the work that he did to come back to play the playoff game and play well last year, like. He did that with a back surgery going into a year that, I mean, if you show any signs of slippage or injury, you're going to get cut because it's going to be, you know, salary cap and all the void years that they attach to so many different guys. Um, Adrian Amos kind of having a down year doesn't help matters too. And he's been a very, I mean, he, like Zadarius came at a very interesting time and helped restore the Packers defense in a big way. Yep. Um, I miss it. Chandon Sullivan too. That's a guy that we don't really, I don't think we even mentioned, but like not the greatest cornerback by any means, but played his role, played really well. Undrafted guy who they always find some of these guys off the scrap heap or, you know, right. If they go undrafted, like it's stuff like that, that you just, again, you don't realize you're going to miss until a season like this happens, but right. Um, I think that kind of just shows you just how how much has been lost mm-hmm. in that sense. For what it's worth, the elected team captains this year on defense were the three having their not best years: Kenny Clark, mm. Adrian Amos, and Devondre Campbell. Yeah. So that's tough. That is tough. Like Kenny Clark, for all intents and purposes, just wasn't having a good just isn't having a good year. Same thing with Adrian Amos; is not really showing up too much in places like making flash plays but not being seen too much in the game otherwise and then dre obviously getting having a slow start to the year then getting hurt didn't help a lot for his campaign either so maybe that has something to do with it that the the captains on defense weren't having impact plays but i don't think that's by any means the end all be all excuse as to why this defense isn't performing as it should yeah there's definitely many factors. Right. Uh, that's pretty much it for out of the, the Goody and Matt LaFleur uh, press conferences. There's a lot of good stuff in there. If you haven't, go watch them. They're just interesting to listen to. And I thought uh, Goody did quite the good job in front of the reporters. Just, so, all in all, good stuff from uh, the leadership of the uh, the Packers this week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Should we get into a mailbag? Mailbag. Mail, yes. mail, mail, mail. My first ever mailbag. I am excited. <laughs> so we'll jump right into the transition from the mailbag. He's come from Discord and from Twitter. So if you want to ever drop in a question for a mailbag. How would you or, do that? You would, would go, you... you would go to gspn.info, click on the Discord invite link, come in, say hi, join the uh, join the talks. It's popping off right now. We're getting a whole bunch of new, mem- new members. It's some good stuff. We love having all the new community members in there. So this one comes from Keith, a natural transition from our Goody talk because he has a question about uh, Goody's comments. So, this is from Keith. He asked it on Twitter. What possible logic is there in Goody essentially saying he's not interested in sitting Rodgers, even if the Packers are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs? Um, I'll start with this one because I have the answer because he answered it in the press conference. <laughs> um, he talked a lot about the Packers having a historically winning culture. That like winning is a strong thread woven out through the Packers organization and that as long as he's there they're never going to go out and sandbag games for a draft pick that they owe it to uh the lock guys in the locker room and the fans to go out there and try and win every game they can even if that means having a lesser draft pick going forward um he wasn't saying he's not entirely interested in sitting Rodgers that was like what he was talking about in the press conference as to the best chance to win games was more so they want to go and win games, even if that means like having Jordan Love out there. Like if they think they can win a game yes. with Jordan Love, they will go out and win a game with Jordan Love. But that doesn't mean they're going to sit Jair or sit Kenny or any of the, the big players that are playmakers, essentially, for the sake of getting a better draft pick and sandbagging the game. Because... Another reporter had asked, like, do you think, like, Jordan Love can win a game? Because they had talked about, Goody had talked about that every young quarterback needs to go out and win and, like, make those mistakes that come with becoming a great quarterback, similar to what Rodgers did his first year. And Jordan Love hasn't had to do that yet. And they, like, eventually, when Jordan Love gets his chance, if it's with this team or somebody else, will have to go through those spells of making mistakes. And... Goody said, it, Goody said it himself, where he's like, yeah, we just need to go see Jordan Love do it. And if that means it comes this these last four games, so be it. But he didn't like commit to sitting Rodgers. So the logic is just that they don't want to be lulled into a losing culture and making guys pissed off that they're not going out and winning. Because besides like the guaranteed contract guys... You don't know when some of these guys are going to play in the NFL again or have as good as opportunities as they have now. So they just wanted to make sure that they have that winning culture, that they're there to win and achieve um, great outcomes as opposed to just looking out the next year. Yeah. Also, I, I mean, call me old-fashioned. Call me a fuddy-duddy. What is there really to accomplish tanking games? It's not like the NBA, and even then the NBA has changed their draft lottery rules right. to where the top three teams have 14% odds or whatever the case, or whatever the number is. Right. We, like a couple of years ago, it was like with Trevor Lawrence going out in the draft, it was like, he's the most can't miss prod or prospect ever and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it hasn't instantly transformed Jacksonville. Not that that was their only problem. Right. Um, I just don't, I don't see. Yeah. Would it be nice to have for the Packers have a higher pick, but that also is not banking on the fact or banking on the fact that 
whoever you want them to draft, they're not going to draft. Yeah, they have not. They Never, do ever. their process year after year. It's always draft a wide receiver, draft a wide receiver, blah, blah blah blah, and then they go after Eric Stokes or Jordan Love, the guys that people freaked out about, right? Rudy Aaron Rodgers, um, or uh, Quay Walker. Like, just the list goes on and on. They are yep. very particular about their draft process. So, I, like, I don't know. I, I, I am. Almost 100% with that because I selfishly just want to see Jordan Love. It was too, it's going to be when Jordan Love wins a game, that is going to be a thrilling day, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's sadly getting closer to Love not playing a game. Like, I'd be honestly yeah. surprised at this point if he does, given the comments from both of LaFleur Rogers and or all of LaFleur Rogers and Goody, but we'll see. As it stands right now, the Packers sit at five and eight in the eleven spot uh, in the draft, which like isn't a bad pick. There's plenty of value to be had there. Like obviously, you get further than the draft. Very. Sean Gary was what the twelfth pick. I think something like that. Yeah. So it's there's there's value to be had in the first round of the draft. Like obviously, the first pick isn't going to be as sure as the thirty second pick. Um, on averages, etc. But Picking eleventh isn't isn't bad, and mm-hmm. I think you're getting into like, hey, maybe we should have lost at least one of those games if we sweep the last four, which isn't going to happen. But if you end up getting to nine and eight, you're at you're getting into the twenties probably. Yeah. Um, but regardless, of, I think actually, given all of that and what the tiebreakers are, I think the farthest they can fall is eighteen. Oh yeah, because they can't they can't make the playoffs, and that's where yeah. the draft seating starts for the playoffs. Is like, or the draft seating starts at nineteen with the playoffs. So the additional team, right? So, regardless, even if they pick at at eighteen, I'm pretty sure Jair was picked around eighteen. Jair or I forget who it was. One of their recent yeah players was drafted in that late mid teens area. So the logic is there. Is it sound logic? Maybe not. Is it the... Or maybe it is. Is it the logic everybody agrees with is what I was trying to say? Probably not, but... um, Either which way, I think it's just good to maintain that winning culture and prove it to guys that you're there to win and not play for the next year. Yeah. Also, as you, uh, to reiterate, you mentioned there's a lot of... The veterans that they have are making big money. If you send a message to them... <laughs> That we're gonna tank games. Yeah, that's probably gonna turn them off and want them to leave. Yeah, and I don't think that is necessarily something that they want to do. Yeah, I agree. it's clear. I mean, if it if they it starts with Rogers, it, the moment that they they show that they want to move on, then it's gonna be an exodus. Right. Yeah. I'll, almost certainly. Mm-hmm. Um. This one is from our semi co-host, Big Ty Windish. Uh. Are we comfortable assuming Christian Watson can slot in as a number one receiver going forward? Or do you think the Packers still need someone better than him? He says, as an anecdote, wording it specifically that way because I think they need more wide receivers either way, but Watson might be him. I'll let you start this one, Jordan. I am not ready to say he is a bona fide number one um, especially when we were very lucky to see Devontae Adams just burn people <laughs> week in, week in, week out for what seven to eight years, right? It's very encouraging to see him make this progress and to really again, it's been the last four weeks where he's been like, Oh, this is different. This is hitting really hard. Right. Maybe he is a number one. I, I'm very willing to be wrong and would be happy to be wrong. But I also, because of what preceded him and seeing how the Packers offense was when teams are trying to take DeMonte Adams away from them, they can't just rely on Christian Watson. It They had the one of the most talented wide receivers playing the NFL today. And it didn't lead you to a Super Bowl, much less win one. Right. So you just can't rely on one guy alone. 
can Romeo Dobbs be a nice two to three wide receiver? Very well. I I, I don't know, but I don't think those two alone are, are going to do it because they just need. And honestly, I think they, what they need more than anything, if they can find a tight end that can really kind of give them their passing game a lift because Tunyon's really good, but not really good, but he he's a fine role playing tight end. He'll he'll play right. for at least a decade, but it's just not there, at least in terms of like guys just getting chunk plays or like being a mismatch threat that opposing defenses can have to really worry and key in on. Right. I think it's definitely an interesting like offseason discussion on their need for a tight end, given what um we see high quality tight ends do in the NFL. Cause like you look at, I'm going to get this briefly cause I don't want to go on and on about it. Like the top tight ends in the league, you think of uh, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, um, Darren Waller, and probably another one I'm forgetting about. Travis Kelsey is for sure the wide receiver one on his team. Like he's better at catching the ball receiver than Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Mark Andrews is definitely the wide receiver one on his team. George Kittle was until Debo started breaking out. And Darren Waller was until they got Devontae Adams. Like, I think that the importance of a pass catching tight end is very important when you don't have a number one wide receiver. And yes. so I wouldn't say that they like need that, but I'm not saying that it wouldn't be nice to have. Like, I think Bobby Tunyon is a good middle ground of where they are. I just don't think they, like, target him enough in the game or he's just not getting open. Like, maybe they need that one step above Bobby Tunyon. So, getting to to Ty's question, it's a tough one because Watson is really good right now and we were saying the same thing about Romero Dobbs earlier in the season. So, I think, like, they both can be wide receivers to A and B, but I don't know if you can count on them right now to be like wide receiver ones of the future, because it's because it's so early to tell, right? Like they're, they're 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 still rookies. We don't know what the next few seasons looks like for them, and even then, like what it looks like going forward. We've seen wide receivers take steps. And look like stars. Like Kenny Galladay is a great example of that looked like a star in Detroit and then leaves to go to the, the Giants and now he's a bum. <laughs> yeah. To put it to put it lightly. So what I'd like to see them do is like obviously they're going to keep Watson and Dobbs. Like that's they're going to be here for the next four or five years. But then let them continue to develop and then keep taking like early round shots at receivers just to make sure that they're supplementing that wide receiver two, three role in case one of them gets hurt because they absolutely need wide receiver depth. Like that's something they don't have. Yes. Assuming they don't bring back Al Lazard and if Cobb comes back, that's fine. But they need like, they just need depth pieces. And there's definitely some shots at that in the draft. However, you may want to look at it. And so I think my best case would be to keep chasing a true wide receiver one that's established or keep taking shots at him in the draft. But like early rounds, like don't be drafting third and fourth round receivers as your first receiver um, off the board, hoping that they can become wide receiver one. Yeah. I mean, again, too, whenever the transition happens, whether it's with Jordan Love or even another quarterback, you need to give them weapons. It's, we talk right. about all the t- all the teams that the, the Packers face this year that made big wide receiver acquisitions, the Eagles, the the Dolphins. Right. This time last year, everybody was trashing to it Tega Viola. They should the Dolphins remove on from him. Jalen Hurst, is he the quarterback of the future? It is so tied to what you have in your wide receivers, yep, or just your pass catching weapons and the su- success of your starting quarterback. Right. So yeah, you never stop building, even if Christian Watson is the next Randy Miles or something akin to it. Or, you know, if he's just going to score on these massive 
chunk plays game after game after game for the rest of his career. Right. You still need help. Yeah, you still need like a for sure guy to just be, I guess, the guy. And, and you don't want the guy the way that Tay was Rogers' guy because we saw how that worked out when it matters. He just doesn't throw anybody yeah. else. But you need that certified talent that will be the guy that comes up clutch when you need him to. Which I'm not saying that, that Roman Dobbs and Chris Watson can't be that, but it's not something they should rely on. They say, yep, we got it right now. We won't be drafting another wide receiver in the first four rounds in the next few years. Like, that's not the way that this should be going. But, yeah, just keep investing in wide receivers throughout the, I'll say second and third, because I don't know if they'll be in the position to draft the first wide receiver this year or any year in the future. And plus, Nor is that their their mantra. They won't ever do it. Yeah, like it's this won't do it. If they do, there's talent out there that they could like if it falls to them or if they're in a place to pick it. I wouldn't be upset if they picked the first wide receiver and like a, a good one. Um, but I still just think it's better to fill. They have bigger holes to fill on this team than it is that receiver right now. Yeah. So. Um, moving on, uh, Tommy in the Discord asked, what do you do with the corner position going forward? It seems that they have three highly paid slash invested guys with Jair, Eric Stokes, and Roswell Douglas, but none of them can really play in the slot. Would you trade one of them away, or would trading one of them away make sense? Uh, do you want to go first, Jordan, or should I? Uh, do you want to go first? Sure. I'm not in the camp of trading any of those guys yet, particularly Razul, because I think he just had a down year, and with Joe Barry's scheme, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. Same thing with Eric Stokes, and he's been injured half the year, so it's kind of tough to see what you do there. I agree that none of them can play the slot. What I think might be the... Well, I should say, I, I shouldn't agree that none of them can play the slot. I think Razul can, and I'll get into that point in a moment. Looking at uh, PFF's uh, slot coverage for the season, I think they have something in either Keyshawn Nixon or Razul playing the slot. I know it's been talked a lot of, to put Razul at safety. I think that could be a beneficial move for them to get him as sort of a uh, that center fielder to make plays that way. But um, according the to fashion safety, right? According to PFF. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon has played 118 snaps of slot receiver this year, or of slot uh, corner this year, and has a has one pick in that, as well as um, allowing a NFL quarterback rating of 82.2 there. So, not too bad. Um, conversely, Russell Douglas has 113 snaps, so five fewer. Um, 13 catches on 17 targets for 140 yards. So I think that both of them can play the slot, but I, I think th- a lot of that production is coming against the Bills. Probably. <laughs> and so um I think it's worth that I I obviously Keisha Nixon plays like safety typically, right? I'm not mistaken there, he kind of plays that safety role. Um I or we call him a corner. Like PFF has would... list, PFF has him listed as a corner. Yeah. But I feel like I've seen him in safety. But well, I guess we'll still call him a corner. I think since Savage's option is so bad, like like we don't know what we're gonna do there. But I think it's worth moving Razul to safety and then moving Keyshawn up to to slot corner, and just because like slot corner being your your nickel guy essentially won't be in every play, but I think you need Razul in every play because he is that talented at ball hawking and just getting coverage essentially. So that would be my idea. I wouldn't trade any of them right now, but I would move uh, Razul to safety and then move Keyshawn Nixon to your slot, to your slot corner. I don't know what I would do. Um, first, I, I think this is also based on, so Stokes got hurt, what, 
the Lions game. Do we? What is? What is his official injury? Why am I forgetting? I think he tore his ACL. That's or what no. I thought it was, right? I'll look it, it up. Yeah. Um. Either way, I would imagine. Uh, sorry, I'm looking this up. An ankle injury. Upper knee and ankle injuries. So nothing official. Yeah, it doesn't say. Yeah, the, this is from November. The exact injury for Eric Stokes is unknown. So I'd imagine just a knee strain and an ankle sprain. Yeah. Um, well, either way, it's going to take some time for him to rehab. Obviously, you hope that he's ready for the start of next season. Um if not, or if things take longer than what you'd hope, or that yeah, what you'd hope to be, to have some kind of wiggle room where you can say, okay, if Stokes is going to take a while to recover, or it's taking him longer up to speed, because again, as we've gone through, more so with Lyman than anything, recoveries aren't squeaky clean always yeah i mean it it takes a while to kind of get back into where you were and to 100 game shape right so i think it's good that they have some uh backup in terms of their cornerback room but again i think anything that we i think you kind of mentioned it in your answers like Anything that we would want to see out of their cornerbacks is going to be determined on, well, is Joe Barry the defensive coordinator? Right. And if not, how how does defensive coordinator X or Jim Leonard? Um, hey, he's, you, he's, not, he's not going back to, to the Badgers. He's not going back to the Badgers. So I, I, I would assume a lot of Packer fans are going to be on Leonard watch. Um, but yeah, like it's, Anything that we want to see out of them, it's going to ch- the paradigm is going to change and change fast, right? So, at this point, for me, it's a matter of okay, what options do you have? What What is the strategy of going into the offseason? Who are you going to keep around? Because, I mean, anybody that it's, it's you that just signed a contract, I'm sure there are out years that they're going to find in their contracts that you're like, oh, well, they they're going to move on from him or move on from that guy. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Just looking at like coverage grades for the Packers, like safety positions. They only played three at safety this year. Rudy Ford, Adrian Amos, and Donald Savage, like at least in coverage grades, according to PFF. And I think that, um, you just would see what Russell can do there. And if he does it well, then see what he can do. And yeah, I think it's just worth, um, worth taking a sh- a shot at, you know, just to just to see, because if they the worst case scenario is that they stick with Darnell and Rudy Ford next year. Like I think they need to bring back Rudy Ford, but yes, um, they just roll with having Darnell Savage be bad and trying to find somebody to replace him. But if he, I would be hard pressed to believe that Roswell Douglas can't play sort of roaming safety better than Darnell Savage can at this point. Sadly. Yeah. Sadly. So. Yeah, the fall of Savage has really complicated this more than anything because right. there was just something that, for me at least, like it's like it was almost always there, and then it just like precipitously just falls off for him, where it's like more so this year, the tackling issues, the focus issues. It's stuff like that that is just so disappointing. And like, Considering, I think his predecessor, right? It would have been like Haha before and before Darnell. Savage. Th- they traded him. There, there is there is a couple in between Haha and Savage, but yeah, yeah. But very similar that they draft him first round. Yep. I think both were draft first round. I think Darnell and Jai are the same year. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Significant investment. And it's like, it feels like I'm watching the stuff that happened with HaHa all over again. All over again, right. So, ever since they got rid of Micah Hyde, that's kind of the problem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> big, big woof. Yeah, but that's in the past. Uh, yeah, I think that we answered that a couple times over now. Uh, next one is from John. 
what move on the margin can a team make this offseason that will pay the biggest dividends for the next for next season's success? Could be roster, coach, front office, etc. Uh, Jordan, you're laughing. So uh, I'll Newback, let... Newback, I uh, can <laughs> give an answer. <laughs> I, I will let you go first because you were the one laughing to start. Um, move on the margin. Hmm. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Cut Aaron Charles Rush. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, move on the margin. I think it's. I don't want to. I don't want to take the answer away from you because I know it's your answer. But I think you look in the coordinator room if that's a room. There's um, no need to be shy about it. <laughs> I think Joe Barry. I Joe think, Barry, buddy, we gotta talk. <laughs> I think that's the obvious answer. Like, certainly, like Joe Barry needs to go, and I think that's what's going to be. Um, going to be the talk of the offseason. If they don't fire Joe Barry, I think fans will riot. But to put it lightly, um, as for other moves on the margins, it's really sort of tough to look at because it really is just so many individualized holes that surround the scheme of Joe Barry, right? Like, they need a second edge rusher that isn't Rashawn Gary. And like that could be a good one, but if it's not utilized to the impact that is being needed to by Joe Barry, doesn't do much. And it's it's tough to say like maybe the move on the margin is playing Devontae Wyatt more. Like that's a that's a hot take nowadays with how he's performed this year, but when he's playing, and what little action he's playing, and what little action he's playing, he's grading out pretty good on PFF. But obviously, PFF isn't the end all be all. Take that how you may. He's getting graded well by guys who watch people. I should say guys by people who watch a lot of football. And so, it's interesting. And I think one of the pool reporters ought to ask Matt Lafleur and. Whoever was in charge on defense, obviously Joe Barry, but you know what I'm saying. Well, just why Devonta White's not playing more? Like, is it really because they think he's not as good as Dean Lowry or whoever, or um, or Jaron Reed or Slayton, Reed or, or any of them? Yeah. Like, is what they think because they invested time into, or they invested a high draft pick into Devonta Wyatt. He's already 24. Like, they ought to start seeing what this guy can do. Like he turns 25 in March. I think it's just worth seeing what he can do and getting him more reps throughout the, uh, throughout the season, like this last final four games to see what he needs to work on next year going in so he can be an impact player on that, on that uh, interior D line. Yeah. I, I, for position wise, I would say D line because it has kind of been Kenny you do all the work and let's try to fill in the gaps. Dean Lowry, I mean, serviceable guy. I don't want to shortchange him because last year he was pretty darn good. Yeah, just hasn't um, been there this year, though. Yeah, it's just, it's, that's the kind of, I mean, it's, it's when the needle is moving in a positive direction, you really recognize it, but it's also like you can't bake on that every year. It's the same thing with Razul Douglas, obviously. Like, as great as it was to have him come in and just like pick off people left and right last year. Right. It is also like this guy was on a practice squad and whether it was not due to talent or whatever else the case may be, there's a reason why that happened. Right. And he never has been in outside of the Eagles. I think he was there like two, three years. It was like bouncing around and then you're trying to find another home and all that stuff. Like that's the type of class of player that we're talking about where it's not like, it's middle-class players that are going to be in the league for a long time right. that you can't just lock in to be like, that's your guy, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, Dean Lowry, for what it's worth, last year had five sacks over 17 games, uh, only half a sack this year. Yeah. So just, it's just not there for him getting to the quarterback this year, which 
again, who is to blame for that? Is it Dean Lowry? Is it Game? It's hard to tell. It's probably a little of both. Four yeah. four pass deflections last year, only one this year. He had a forced uh, fumble last year, none this year, which, like, whatever. Or, I'm sorry, he had a fumble recovery last year. That's not, so that doesn't really matter too much, but just overall down besides tackles. He has 43 tackles this year as opposed to 42 last year, but nine QB hits last year, only five this year, five tackles for loss last year, only one this year. Like, it's just, he's having a, a, a bum year. Yeah. And so, why not just throw your first round pick in there for a game. Like even against like the two bad teams we play, like the Rams next week on Monday night and against not Matthew Stafford, they're Baker Mayfield or John Wolford or whoever they're playing. Baker Mayfield has been playing as we have been recording this. Has he? Yes, he has. Four for eight. Good for him. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, against Baker Mayfield, whoever the Rams decide to trot out against the Packers. Why not let Devontae Wyatt just kind of go off and see what he can do? Same thing against, like, uh, the Lions. Like, sending him out against the Dolphins and the Vikings might be good to see how he can do against a higher level of talent, but I just think he needs more snaps these last few games than, than I guess, otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, they want to go out and win, as Goody said, but I don't think the game rides on Dean Lowry's back. No, so no, just no. Let him go out there and see what he can do. So, uh, next question is a bit of a troll, but I'll I'll indulge him. Uh, from Wico Stan. Why should Alec Engel be the Packers' number one offseason target? Wico is Stan is obviously a uh, obviously is a Green Bay area resident, or how how do I put this? Went to the high, same high school I think Alec Engel did. And uh, is standing him as such. But trolls aside, if Alec Engel was a free agent, he has one more year left with his Dolphins uh, contract, wouldn't it be a bad idea to, to go after him? Alec Engel is a pretty darn good fullback at getting one yard, which <laughs> the Packers haven't been able to do a whole no. lot. Like, like that, if there's one thing to be said about Alec Engel is that he can get a yard. Mm-hmm. And he has been for his entire career. It's why he's still in the NFL. Because he did it a lot for the Raiders, been doing it a lot for the, the Dolphins. So either which way, if they that opportunity should present itself, should be targeted, not number one. That's all I'll say on that. And our uh our final question is from Aaron. This one Aaron, this one was was on Twitter. Which Packers player would be the best at the other major sports? Basketball Baseball, soccer, and hockey. Watson might be really good at soccer. I could see him being quite good at soccer. It's, I mean, like he's like a, a wide receivers and wingers are kind of tall, like, tall, fast. Yeah. Um, what's another good one? I'm trying to think of basketball. Did Big Dog play basketball? I don't know if he did or not. He went to USC. That was not uh, English. UCLA. He did. Oh, hold on. Um, uh, it looks like he did play some basketball. There we go. He played seven games for UCLA for in the two thousand two two thousand three season. He averaged uh three minutes a game. 1.3 points, 0. 0.6 rebounds, and 0. 0.1 assists. <laughs> Good job, Mercedes. So yeah, yeah, he scored nine points in uh 26 total minutes. That's so what I'm talking about maybe he's not the best choice. I could see. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if Jair would be a good like point guard. Like a Javon Carter, like yeah. Bulldog kind of guy. Yeah. If he is locked in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think another... I don't think Rogers has any place in any other uh like of those four sports. Yeah. No. Good. No, no. No, no, no. I mean he at a time I think now 
Oh, I don't even know what another like. He was fleet of oh, foot. I, I bet you Jair could could do uh could do baseball too. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of guys that probably be really good at baseball. I'm trying to think of hockey. Hockey's one to like to gauge. Hockey's very tough. Tanyan, Bobby, Bobby Tanyan. Like him in goal. <laughs> this is a massive man. Six five, um, dude. There's there's goalies that are six ten playing goalie. Six ten. Something like that. I know. I think it's the Lightning goalie's huge. He's just blocking the goal. Then how do you score on that? I don't know. Um, not that goalie, not Veleski. I feel like AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon's good at something. Does he do softball games? I think he's well. Obviously, there's the Packers charity um, game. I feel like he would be a good. Uh, he'd be actually. You know what? I would. He would be really good at soccer as like. Like a defender that just like takes out people. Yes, you know what I mean. He's just so massive. Um, ben Bishop yeah, for the Lightning was six seven. Oh my lord! And that and the wow. ta- and the tallest hockey player, ho- the tallest <laughs> uh, NHL goalie ever was six eight. So. Not none six ten, but six seven. Six, is it's still pretty. Still pretty you tall. have to move around on skates, you right? Know. Um, oh. it's not like the uh, new bowl was in net back there and doing saving the five hole, right? Um, or five bowl in this case. Oh. Um, sorry. Yeah, I don't, there's gonna be other guys that come to mind, but I cannot think of any of them. Yeah, try to like all of them are athletes. Like all the specialists are athletes, so they can probably play a lot of these. these Do you think uh, Mason Crosby would be good at soccer now? No, not right now. You don't think he'd be? <laughs> not right now. He's old. He's like he's old. You don't think he'd be legging out a thirty-yard free kick? I think I think he could leg it on on a free kick, but like. He has to be dribbling the ball and running in, able, in order to get the free kick and get fouled. Like, I just think that's where he's not, like, going to be good is getting the opportunity to, to get fouled. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Love is, I think Jordan Love would be really good at soccer where he's at the middle of the pitch waiting to come on the field. <laughs> and the guy that he's about to replace isn't coming off the field. I think he'd be really good at that. Got it. And I think with that, we can call this a podcast. Um, that's the mailbag, folks. That's this episode. Couple things to promote on the GSPN network. Uh, Adam and Andrew released their final eight, I believe. Yes. For the World Elite Cup. Eight. The, uh, sure. <laughs> the final eight of the. Uh, the World Cup, uh, as they kick off, I think tomorrow. Yes, or today, as you're listening to this. So, uh, go listen to that before those games uh, kick off. I'm trying to look it up quick. Ten o'clock and one. It looks like, or no, yeah, no, same as always. Nine and one. Uh, for for the games tomorrow, and then same thing on uh, Saturday. So go listen to that quick before those games finish up for that round. And then they'll have another one for the semifinals, I imagine. Same thing previewing the final. Um, they also, Adam and Andrew, released Cruising for a Bruising this morning. This morning being, I believe, Thursday morning. Uh, grading the outfielders as well as talking about um, the Colton Wong trade. Those are two separate episodes. Uh, I'm trying to see. Yeah, the Brewers outfield today, as well as the free agent talks at winter meetings. Brewers have been doing nothing. And then. Very busy. Very busy winter meetings for the Brewers. <laughs> I don't know if they even went. And then before that, <laughs> they talked Colt the Wong being traded to uh, Seattle for Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro. Um, do you and Adam have what in six coming out soon? 
Yes, we will be recording as this drops. So we are recording Friday morning, and we will be dropping Friday before the Bucks play the Mavericks at an absurdly time. They play at nine. Oof. Because uh, it's got to uh, fit around national TVs. As to. Even though they play in the central time zone. Yeah, both teams do. I believe it's in Dallas, and they're yep. still sticking this nine down our throats. Yep. Pause. <laughs> um, then Eurostep, the Thai Rohan released on Monday. Merry Christmas. Uh, Chris Middleton is back <laughs> and uh, dazzling in his season debut. So go listen to all of those podcasts. Uh, be sure to rate and review all of those podcasts. Uh, I'm going to sort of try and find a review just in case we had one <laughs> and not go two months without uh, reading one. So, um, But before we go, you can always check out gspn.info to go find any of those links. Pretty much all things Eurostep Podcast Network. So no reviews means this podcast is over. Uh, going into next week, by week we won't see you for a post game pod but we will we you will hear from us <laughs> next wednesday as we preview the packers taking on the rams on monday night so thank you all for listening and jordan thank you thank you